Amen. Let us turn together in God's Word for our Scripture reading, and we're turning to the book of the Psalms, the Psalm numbered 49. The 49th Psalm. We're going to commence our reading at the first verse of this Psalm. The Psalm 49 and the verse 1. Hear this, all ye people. Give ear, all ye inhabitants of the world, both low and high, rich and poor together. My mouth shall speak of wisdom, and the meditation of my heart shall be of understanding. I will incline mine ear to a parable. I will open my dark saying upon the harp. Wherefore should I fear in the days of evil, when the iniquity of my heels shall compass me about? They that trust in their wealth and boast themselves in the multitude of their riches, none of them can by any means redeem his brother, nor give to God a ransom for him. For the redemption of their soul is precious and it ceaseth forever, that he should still live forever and not see corruption. For he seeth that wise men die. Likewise the fool and the brutish person perish and leave their wealth to others. Their inward thought is that their houses shall continue forever and their dwelling places to all generations They call their lands after their own names. Nevertheless, man being in honor abideth not. He is like the beasts that perish. This their way is their folly, yet their posterity approve their sayings, Selah. Like sheep they are laid in the grave. Death shall feed on them, and the upright shall have dominion over them in the morning and their beauty shall consume in the grave from their dwelling. But God will redeem my soul from the power of the grave, for he shall receive me, Selah. Be not thou afraid when one is made rich, when the glory of his house is increased. For when he dieth, he shall carry nothing away. His glory shall not descend after him. Though while he lived, he blessed his soul, and men will praise thee when thou doest well to thyself. He shall go to the generation of his fathers. They shall never see light. Man that is in honor and understandeth not is like the beasts that perish. Amen. May the Lord bless the reading of this psalm to each one of our hearts. Amen. We're turning again in God's Word to the Psalm numbered 49. The Psalm numbered 49. And I would like to take as my text for this morning the words of verse 15. And reading again that verse from the Psalm, Psalm 49 and the verse 15. But God will redeem my soul from the power of the grave. For he shall receive me 
Selah. As we meditate upon this verse of Scripture, the title of my message this morning is a message for the soul. A message for the soul. Let's unite together in prayer and ask the Lord for help in the ministry of his word. Our gracious God and our loving Father, we do rejoice that we can sing thy praise, that we can sing of our plenteous redemption. And as we look to our Lord and Savior, we can say in whom we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of thy grace. And we pray, O God, that each one of us today might taste of those riches and we might rejoice in thy so great salvation. Give us help now for this short time around thy precious word and make it a blessing to each and to every heart. We ask these things for Jesus' sake. Amen. When you come to the Psalms, there are Psalms of praise. You could look at the preceding Psalm, Psalm 48, and it says, Great is the Lord, and greatly to be praised. There are also Psalms of prayer. For example, you could look a couple of Psalms ahead to that Psalm 51, and that Psalm is a prayer of confession where David is seeking the forgiveness of the Lord in prayer. There are psalms of promise, and you could think of the very first psalm, the promise for the blessed man. You could think of the Psalm 23 and of the promises there that we shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. There are psalms of prophecy, And of course, Psalms like Psalm 22, which brings us to Calvary. And that's the Psalm which the Lord quoted even as he hung upon the cross. My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? But there are also Psalms of preaching, Psalms of instruction. And the Psalm 49 that we have read together this morning is one such Psalm. It's a psalm that brings to us really a sermon. It's a preaching psalm. And you notice at the very commencement of this psalm that there's a call for the whole earth to hear and for the whole earth to listen. Hear this, all ye people, give ear, all ye inhabitants of the world. And the verse 2 is acknowledging uh, the differences there in social standing. You can see it's a psalm that's making reference to all, both low and high, rich and poor together. There may be those at different ends of the social spectrum, but when it comes to this particular psalm and the message that it brings, it's one size fits all. It's to the low and to the high, it's to the rich and the poor together. And perhaps particular focus is given to the rich as you read on into the psalm. Perhaps it's the rich who are more inclined to uh, become self-sufficient and self-dependent. You look there in the verse 6. They that trust in their wealth and boast themselves in the multitude of their riches. My, there's nothing wrong with being rich and being wealthy. But the key there in that verse 6 is the word trust. 
There are those who accumulate so much as far as the wealth and the riches of this world is concerned that they come to trust in their riches. But here is a psalm that brings a sobering message even to such. A psalm that will remind us that there are certain things that money cannot buy. Money cannot buy a home. Oh, you can buy a house and you could buy many houses, but that doesn't make a home. Money cannot buy health. How often we are taught that and sometimes even by experience. There are those who would give all that they have if only they could be well, but there's something money can't buy. Health. Happiness. Millions of pounds are spent in pursuit of happiness in this world. It's only the broken cisterns. We find by experience that money cannot purchase happiness, and of course, money cannot purchase heaven. When you look there at verses 7 and 8 of this psalm, none of them can by any means redeem his brother, nor give to God a ransom for him. For the redemption of their soul is precious, and it ceaseth forever. It's clear from this psalm that money cannot buy that redemption. It's a work of the Lord. There's something here for us all to consider. And in this psalm and in this text of Scripture particularly, it speaks to us about facing the grave. Whether we have been low or high or rich or poor, that's something that's common to all. We'll all face eternity, one by one. Therefore, we all, without exception, we all need to be redeemed. Therefore, we're brought in our text of Scripture to consider our souls. And when we think of the importance of the soul and the value of the soul, here's a message that the soul would do well to listen to today. Mark 8 and 36, the Lord said, For what shall it profit a man if he would gain the whole world and yet lose his own soul? And so there's a message here to the soul. And as you look there at that 15th verse, I want you to notice there's a danger for the soul. Because verse 15 speaks about the power of the grave. The power of the grave. A danger there for the soul and the power of the grave. Those words bring us to focus upon death. And sometimes we we don't like to do that. Death is something that we like to avoid. Death is something that we don't really want to focus our attention upon too much. But the word of God would call our attention to it. The power of the grave. Those words are speaking to us about the end of life. The end of life on earth. It's not the end of our existence. There is life hereafter. We possess, you see, that immortal soul. 
and the soul lives on in eternity. We've been reading in this psalm how man thinks in his heart that he's going to continue forever uh, there in verse 11. Man thinks he will live forever upon this earth. But death is no respecter of persons. You notice there in verse 10, for he seeth that wise men die. Likewise, the fool and the brutish person perish and leave their wealth to others. And that's something that we see happening all around us. And whenever we focus upon death, we realize that in the midst of life, we are in death. And when Paul wrote to the Romans, he explained to the Romans how death ever came. And he said, for us by one man, sin entered into the world, and death by sin. So death passed upon all men, for that all have sinned. And therefore we're all facing death as the wages of sin. And there's the power of the grave. That focus upon death. The Bible will speak about three kinds of death. There's physical death. That's the death that we tend to focus on. That moment whenever death comes and, and we're face to face with it. And we realize that we're winding down to the grave. And there's that moment when that physical life will be taken from our bodies. Whenever Adam and Eve fell in the Garden of Eden, in that moment, they started that process of winding down to the grave. Death came. The Bible also speaks about spiritual death. And even before the fall, Adam and Eve enjoyed that fellowship, that communion with the Lord. They walked with the Lord in the cool of the day. But once sin entered, they died spiritually. And man has ever since in descending from Adam, being born in sin and iniquity. Man is born there as a transgressor to God's law. Man is a sinner, and therefore man is dead spiritually to God. And then the Bible speaks about that third type of death, which is eternal death. What Revelation refers to as the second death that which is everlasting separation from the Lord, being cast into the lake of fire that burneth forever and forever. The power of the grave. There's a message here for the soul. There's a danger for the soul. Do you think sometimes about the power of the grave and it causes a fear of death? And whenever Paul was writing to the Hebrews, in Hebrews chapter 2, he spoke about those who were in bondage to that very fear. In Hebrews chapter 2, he refers to those in the verse 15, and deliver them who through fear of death were all their lifetime subject to bondage. The power of the grave brings a focus upon death and it brings a fear of death. But the power of the grave brings us to think of our own demise and 
there to face that mighty foe. And death is a great foe. It's what the Bible refers to as the last enemy. And the power of the grave that is pulling each one of us down to the grave. And one time uh, death will approach for us individually. And it will encompass us and surround us. And it will draw us away. It's the power of the grave. Draws away at times reluctantly. I think of Jacob over there in Genesis, and he referred to that time in his life. And you remember how he didn't want to let Benjamin go with the other brothers. And in Genesis 42 and 38, he said, My son shall not go down with you, for his brother is dead and he is left alone. If mischief befall him by the way in which ye go, then shall ye bring down my gray hairs with sorrow to the grave. And Jacob referred to being brought down to the grave. Even against his will, even perhaps reluctantly, But there's the power of the grave there that were brought down to the grave. It was Hannah who in 1 Samuel chapter 2 and the verse 6, she said, The Lord killeth and maketh alive. He bringeth down to the grave and bringeth up. The power of the grave. He bringeth down to the grave. It is appointed unto men once to die. And after this, the judgment. There's an appointment that we must face. And here's a message for the soul. And you know, in our text of Scripture, the danger for the soul is brought out in that word grave. If you have a margin in your Bible, you could look down that margin to the reference there at verse 15. And that word grave could also be translated hell. So it's speaking about the power of the grave and the power of death, but it extends even further. It's the power of hell. And that's the danger that is facing the unconverted soul. The grave, you see, is not the end. It's not just the power and the pull of death down to the grave. The grave is the burial place for the body, but... The danger to the soul is that that soul would go to a Christless eternity in that place called hell, the power of hell. A danger for the soul. Do well to heed the message. The power of the grave. But notice secondly from our text of Scripture, a deliverance for the soul. When you look at verse 15, It says, but God will redeem my soul from the power of the grave. The verse commences there with those two words, but God. And we should be thankful there in the context of this psalm. Here's a message to the soul, and it speaks about the danger facing the soul being brought down not only with the hand of the grave and with the power of the grave, but brought down perhaps to hell itself. Thank God it says, but God. You remember over in Ephesians chapter 2, And it mentions those who walk according to the course of this world. 
those who are by nature children of wrath, even as others. Verse 4 of that chapter says, but God. Children of wrath, that's what we are naturally, but God, who is rich in mercy, for his great love wherewith he loved us. Thank God those words, but God, stand as a great message. A message to the soul today that there is a way of deliverance. And our text of Scripture brings that way of deliverance out. But God will redeem my soul. And the writer of the psalm here could speak with confidence. Even with the grave and with death and with eternity in view, he could speak with that assurance and say, But God will redeem my soul. The power of the the grave and the power of hell itself held no terrors for the psalmist. God will redeem my soul. It was the Lord Jesus Christ who accomplished that great work of redemption. The blessed Son of God who came into this world and lived that perfect life. He was obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. And there upon the cross, that bloodied spectacle of woe, the Lord Jesus Christ was purchasing our redemption. The word redemption can be used, of course, in relation to the slaves. And they were being purchased and they were being set free. It's also a word that's used in relation to the pawn shop. And then these days of financial crisis and the cost of living rising, it seems that pawn shops are also on the rise. And the principle there is you can take an item of value and the pawnbroker will value that item and he will give you money in exchange for it. Probably much less than what it's really worth. And there's a period of time in which you can return and you can pay back the price with interest in order to redeem that item. And therefore, there was the price for redeeming it or for buying it back. And that's the very thought of the word redeem in the Bible. Spiritually, it means to buy back. And in reference to the soul, it's the Lord who redeems the soul. And we know the cost that was involved. It was the price of his own precious blood. But through the shedding of his blood upon Calvary's cross, he has paid the price for our redemption. And the soul that trusts in the Lord is redeemed by the precious blood of the Lamb. And they're set free from the power of the grave. From the power of hell. They're released from the grip of Satan. The grave will have to even one day give up the body. In 1 Corinthians chapter 15, and that's a wonderful chapter on the resurrection. And in verse 55 of that chapter, The apostle there can speak about death and he can speak about the grave. And you can see how he was able to stare down death and the grave. And he said, O death, where is thy sting? O grave, where is thy victory? 
And in the verses preceding there, he is showing that the body will rise from the grave when this corruptible shall have put on incorruption and this mortal shall have put on immortality. Then shall be brought to pass the saying that is written, Death is swallowed up in victory. And for the one who trusts in the Lord and rests upon the finished work, the great redemptive work of our Lord and Saviour, one day the grave will even have to leave, let go of the body. The grave will have to yield and the body of the believer there will be raised up incorruptible. Body and soul will be reunited in that great resurrection day. The believer will be given a glorious body, like unto our Lord's glorious body. Therefore, we say for the child of God, what a deliverance. What a deliverance for the soul. He shall redeem my soul from the power of the grave. That's a good message for the soul today. But thirdly, I want you to see a destiny for the soul. The end of our text, verse 15, says, For he shall receive me. He shall receive me. And there you can see it's reaching out to eternity itself. It's reaching out there to the destiny of the child of God, that redeemed soul. For he shall receive me. Hasn't the Lord given to his people that promise? In John 6 and 37, him that cometh to me, I will in no wise cast out. And when you come to put your faith and trust in the Lord Jesus, he has promised he will never cast you out. And we can see that not only right throughout our lives and over death, but out into eternity and there to our eternal destiny. He shall receive me. To be received there into glory. To be with the Lord himself in glory. Think of what it must be like to be received by the Lord. We get a little glimpse of it in Acts chapter 7. There you have the first Christian martyr. You have Stephen. And Stephen was facing his persecutors. He would be stoned to death. And as the stones were raining down upon his body, it tells us in Acts 7 that Stephen looked up steadfastly into heaven and he saw the glory of God and Jesus standing on his right hand. We often read of the Lord in the Bible sitting on the right hand of the Father. But in Acts 7, he's standing. We suggest today that the Savior was standing there to receive Stephen into glory. And he had that same blessed hope, the experience of the psalmist, for he shall receive me. He shall receive me personally. Received into glory by our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Do you have that same confidence today? Do you have that assurance to say, he shall receive me? 
This is a message for the soul. And this is a message particularly for the redeemed soul when they're received into glory and the Lord himself is there to receive them. But we know there's another destiny for those who are unconverted, for those who have never accepted the Lord Jesus Christ as their Savior. They're not resting upon the finished work of Christ. There's that destiny called hell. Message for the soul. You know, it's that final word in our text of Scripture. It's the word selah. It's a Hebrew word. It's a transliteration of the Hebrew word. And the translators of our English authorized version, they felt that there was no word equivalent in the English to convey properly the meaning there of that word selah. And so it was decided just to leave it there in its Hebrew form. But the best suggested meaning of that word selah is to pause and consider. To pause and consider. It is suggested that whenever the psalm was being sung and they came to that selah in the psalm, that the instruments would fall silent and uh, the voices that were raised in song would cease and there would be that time to consider. Something of great importance has just gone before. And there must be that time to consider. And the message to the soul today is that message of Selah that you would pause and consider those things concerning the soul, the danger there to the soul, the power of the grave and the power of hell. But the deliverance of the soul and the destiny of the soul, pause and consider those things. The eternal destiny of your soul. If today you know within your heart that you're not saved and you're not ready for heaven, and if death was to catch up with you, you would go out into eternity unprepared, then, oh, today, consider. Consider your latter end. Apply your heart unto wisdom. And even to pray within the quietness of your heart that simple prayer. Then, O my Lord, prepare my soul for that great day. Wash me in thy precious blood and take my sins away. May God bless his word to our hearts this morning.